Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan with two days left of paternity leave. <laughs> but, but I'm here. But we are happy to have you back in the saddle, my man. Hockey is back. Preseason camp for the Predators is open. You have been down there, talked to players. I have gone to watch practice as well. We've had two preseason games, so we'll get to our thoughts on all of that, of course, as well today on the show. Sort of the, the gist of what we're going to talk about are essentially what are the biggest questions we have about this team in camp. Um, and in a in sort of a fun, perfect world, if we got John Hines on some truth serum, uh, what what would he say to some of these questions, and what do we think some of his answers might be behind closed doors? So we're going to have a little fun with some of the biggest questions about this Nashville Predators team uh, as we are sort of meandering through camp. Um, of course, October 14th, I believe, is opening night. Correct. The Seattle Kraken are coming to town, their first ever hockey game. So, no, it's uh, their second ever oh, hockey game. Oh, it'll be their second ever hockey game. That's what I meant to say. They open against Vegas a couple nights before. At home, I would assume. Or no, they're, no, on, the they're on the road. Why would they do that? I don't understand. Um, got to make sure the arena is ready. That's that's fair. Uh, so that's kind of what's coming up on the show today. Uh, a lot of questions about a lot of different pieces of this roster. Um, if if again, if we had some, if we had some truth serum and you know illegally injected into John Hines' bloodstream, what what do we think the answers would be? All right. Before we do that, however, welcome back. Thank you. Let's see how let's see how rusty you are here. Mm. Gold standard is brought to you by Pampers. <laughs> <laughs> Huggies, not Costco brand. <laughs> Kirkland baby wipes, <laughs> Jaspers. It's actually brought to you by Jaspers. Is it? Is it? It's. I know Modelo is a beer, which is quite tasty. But is it also the bottles that everyone uses to feed? feed yes, babies? it's something along those lines. <laughs> I think it's something like that as well. Uh, I am so glad to have all of that out of my life. But I'm so happy that you have it in yours. Yes, just like Jaspers. Yes, just like Jaspers, where my son will eat when he's eating solid foods. <laughs> so, so sometime in 2024. Um, Not there yet. Yeah, it's 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 all right. Uh, free parking, great place to watch the game. If you got uh, business meetings, you want to take a lunch break from work, um, you, you know, ask your buddies to meet you up after for, for a cocktail hour after the after a long hard grind. You know, after the day of work, you want to go grab a cocktail. You can drink the gold standard. Which is named after this podcast. It Indeed. is on the it is on the menu at Jasper's. It is a whiskey drink. It's delicious. Go check it out. Free parking, all that great stuff. Great menu. Great place to watch. Coming up, Preds games, especially if you uh, have YouTube TV. So, um, <laughs> which I'm considering switching to, except for I would lose the Preds games. So we'll see. We'll what see. do you have now? AT and T. I have a cable provider, mm. and. I'm considering switching to the YouTube TV. They just do, do not have the Preds games, which is a big concern for me. Did which, you hear that, Xfinity? <laughs> I don't know. Sinclair, I'm, just, I'm just naming. Which which I'm means, just naming cable companies at this point. Which means I need to probably just I'll just end up at Jasper's. You know, seven seventy one times or whatever many times they're on they're on Bally this this year. Seventy one of eighty two. That's right. All right, so. Quickly before we get into some of our biggest questions for camp and and what we would what we would want to know about this roster, the situation, some of the things going on, I, just real quickly, I, I went to the first couple of days of camp. I, I think you know the way he's doing it is a little different than than Peter Laviolette. That that Lavi sort of, and you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong here. I want to say Lavi sort of had like two teams and they would scrimmage and then they would kind of be done. Like this is three separate groups and they're sort of like practicing on separate sheets and then they're getting together and playing um, some scrimmages. They played two preseason games. They lost both. Don't, don't really care about the outcome. 
Um, the second game, for example, they barely had anybody that was gonna make is gonna make the roster. I think it was Colton Sissons and I don't know Matthew Olivier and Matt Benning. <laughs> you know, like those those are the you know Rocco Grimaldi was in the second game, so not a ton of uh, guys that are gonna make the roster. So you've had a chance to go down there as well. I thought Philip Tomasino looked like he belonged with all the other guys in blue shirts. Um, Cause when I, the practice I went to Roman Yossi, you know, Dante Fabro, um, Mikhail Granlin, guys that are clearly starters on this team were all wearing the blue shirts and he was Tomasino was playing with them and you wearing 26, not wearing some weird number. Couldn't tell that he wasn't a very, very young and experienced player. Just, just a couple practices, but you couldn't tell that he wasn't one of those guys. So, as our listeners know, you know, I've been out for five weeks um, on on parental leave. So I've just started paying attention again to what's going on. I'll admit fully, I did not watch either preseason game um, against Florida. Um, and the only reason why I stopped by practice yesterday was because my son's pediatrician, who's also <laughs> your daughter's pediatrician yes, that's right. um, is around the corner from Centennial. So I just thought I'd stop by um, and I got there a little late. So I, I caught um, most of, I think the second group and maybe part of the third um, as we were waiting for interviews. Um, but it was good to be back. Um, and I'm officially back on Friday. <laughs> so to the athletic comment, to the athletic subscriber who commented on Dom's preview saying, you know, our beat writer doesn't write anything. I've been oh I, I've been God. out of the office. Since, There's the voice. You're I've back already. I've been out of the office since August 26th. <laughs> so I'll be back Friday and I'll be writing again. Um, five minutes into the show, the voice. Right. Five well, minutes back. A lot of pent up. A lot of pent up <laughs> anger. No, it's been it, it's been it's been a blessing to 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 be able to spend the past five weeks as dad only. Pretty cool, huh? Um. Yes. So. Yeah. You know, it was kind of weird to go back to work yesterday, quote unquote. Um, my mom is in town, so my wife had an extra set of hands while I was out. That won't always be the case. Um, uh, uh, no. So, <laughs> you know, it, it worked out. But yes, it was nice. to, and It was also nice. And we talked about this on Lamestream last week. It was nice to actually have face-to-face interviews, even though they were, you know, separated by six feet or whatever. Um, it was nice to actually look at these guys and talk yeah. to them and and see them for the first time in a long time. Um, and I think the conversations were better as a result of that. Um, they were more personal, um, even if it weren't, even if it wasn't normal. Um, but when when I think about Philip Thomas, you know, and and this is this is one of my sidebars. But I always find around you know July and August, the breathless play by play coverage of NFL training camps has always made me chuckle. Um, I know that practice in the NFL means a little bit more than it does in other sports, mostly because in the NBA, you know, you can roll a couple balls out there. Yeah. You can scrimmage. You can do shoot arounds. You don't really, you're not really learning anything yeah. from NBA practice. And well, and, it's like who's running with the ones in the NFL, right? You exactly. Know, like, that's but, something you can kind of glean. But you'll see, you'll see um, during training camp. And you know, I'm not. I'm trying not to tease my my local colleagues here who cover the Tennessee Titans. But it's Ryan Tannehill went six for nine and I, seven on sevens. 
you know, Chester Rogers caught three passes, and Janoris, See, now you're going pi- to piss me off going after old Chest. Okay? Janoris Jenkins had a great pass breakup in the end zone on the red zone drills. Like, who cares? But well, like, let, let me. So, since I was one of those guys, yes, um, I, I don't care about the statistics. Like, right? I think it's one, the one guy made the one. That, one guy made the one play. Anthony Ferkser caught one pass over Kevin Byard in the I, end zone. Like that doesn't mean anything to yes, me. Yes, I think but, the running with the ones thing, as you said, who's getting starters reps. But, but that, Ch- that, Chester, that's fine. for example, Chester Rogers was running with the ones, or was the first punt returner every single time, and we could comment on that. I think Janoris Jenkins, his energy levels and the ability to sort of teach, he was clearly teaching people through camp. So I think there are things that you right. can take away. That have nothing to do with Ryan Tannehill threw an interception. I to think that's what Elijah let, Molden this right. week. So like let me rephrase. I think that's I think that's more of what oh has always um, confused me because sometimes they would be like, I remember it'd be like Marcus Mariota has thrown five interceptions right. in three days. It's like he's it's practice. But it, this is my long winded way of saying that when I watch hockey practice, you know, oftentimes you look it's at, much harder. Right. It's to harder see, to, to know what you're seeing. Right. Exactly. You can tell like, OK, they're working on the power play. They're working yeah. on breakouts. They're working on right. forechecking. Right. But, you know, oftentimes you just look at, OK, who's skating with who? And, um, you know, Philip Tomasino, as you said, when you went to practice was skating with top six guys. And I think that, you know, bodes well for him. And we'll get into more of this when we talk about these pressing questions that we were teasing. But, you know, the one thing that I do not know, and I should know this, but I'm going to use the parental leave as an excuse. (laughs) So last year, Philip Tomasino was eligible to play in the AHL because the OHL didn't play. Under normal circumstances, he would have been too young to play in the AHL. So if he didn't make the Predators roster, he would have had to go back to the Ontario League. But he played in the AHL. I believe he was third among AHL rookies in scoring. Mm. Made their all-rookie team. Pretty good. He had a fabulous season by all accounts. Carl Taylor, who was on the the staff with the Chicago Wolves, because of course the Milwaukee Admirals didn't play last year, you know, would sing his praises. As would Ryan Warsawski, the the head coach of the of the Chicago Wolves. Um, but because I think the OHL is back in business, I don't know if he is eligible to be in the AHL. I, I think he is. I do not know. Though. We will answer these questions for you, the audience. Yes. Next week on the podcast. We will. But to me, it's interesting because I remember, I think it was, well, it had to been that last season. You know, Ellie Tolvanen made the roster, but he made it on the taxi squad. He didn't make the right. the active 23-man roster. And I think that caught some people by surprise. Um there is no taxi squad this year, as far as I know. Um, so, to me, especially- it's interesting because the NFL kept some of those rules right. in place. I'm not sure if the NHL did. I don't think they did. I'd, I think I would have heard about it by now. I would assume you would have known, but yes. again, you have, have done nothing but change diapers, change diapers, and um, feed two a.m. baby crying babies. Yes. Well, I'm not doing the feeding. But, well, you know what I mean. Yes. You're getting he, up and helping the process. Yes. Otherwise, you're in trouble, my, my man. My <laughs> son loves to pee on himself. That's that's the thing that we're dealing with right now, where we go to change him and we take off the dirty diaper. And as I turn around to get the clean diaper, he just urinates all over himself and gets it on his pajamas. You need the uh, you, you need one of those little... Um, you know when you go to the baseball game when you're a kid and you get the ice cream in the helmet? Yes. You need to have a little helmet and just put the helmet I did learn an interesting trick for those of you out there who are 
parents to newborns are expecting. It's also very different. I have two little girls. I never had that. Right. Like, they peed on themselves, but it was like... Straight down. Yeah, yeah. It just goes right onto the mat. Yes. So, um, <laughs> we don't the, have to worry about the sprinkler right. effect. If you're if you're an ex- <laughs> if you're expecting or our parents of are you know fresh parents like my wife and I are, the you know apparently the 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 urinating is because they're cold. Yep. I, so yep. take a wipe. Take the like the baby wipe when you're about to change them. Wipe their stomach. Like sit for a minute because they'll feel the cold sensation of the wipe. Hmm. They'll pee. And then you change the diaper. Oh, they get it sneaky! Out. So sneaky. That I've been I doing. Like like, so if you look at my Google history right now, it's like how to stop a newborn from peeing when you change him. Why is my newborn eating so much? No, that's a great thing. You know, like no, he, my, my newborn, my newborn son eats like every hour that's on the air. Uh, well, that's a great thing. Get, um, but get anyway, him, get them all chunky. It's so, good. um. You know, for, back to Philip Thomas. God, you know, I don't miss doing any of that. By who's the way. not a newborn? He's a newborn NHL player, but he's not a, a newborn newborn. Um, but when I think of, you know, I think of Philip Thomasino. You know, I think when you look at where the Predators are as an organization, this is this is the time, and we talked about this all summer. This is the time where you've got to give those young guys a chance to sink or swim at the NHL level. Such as Philip Tomasino, Ellie Tolvanen, Rem Pitlick, um, Alex Carrier, Tanner Janot. Like this is like this team is not expected to do much this season. The fact that uh, I mentioned Dom's preview, so Dom Lecision, um, our analytics guru at the Athletic, is doing his season previews and he's rolling them out from worst to best. And the Predators Uh-oh. preview ran on Monday. So I think he has them in the bottom third of the league. Yeah, I mean so, Vegas has them finishing seventh. Right. He ha- he has them based on in his goals saved. You know his goal scored value added or game score value added. Excuse me. His uh, his model has them in the bottom third of the league. So there so there are not a lot of expectations for this team. And I was actually talking about this yesterday when I stopped by practice. Uh, Robbie Stanley came out. Brooks Bratton was there, of course. Paul Skarbina, and we were talking about this. And you know I told them that. You know, this is the least amount of excitement I have felt at the start of a Predator season since I got here. I agree, and and that would be the fourteen fifteen season. Um, you know, Robbie Robbie goes back to the thirteen fourteen season, which was Barry Trotz's last season. They yeah. missed the playoffs yeah. again. You know, there just isn't. You know, it's also it's also different because it's the first time in a couple of years that we've had like a season that starts on time. It's very it's very strange. So last year years. the season started when did the season Janu- start? Like January. January. So the season yeah. started in January. So that's the, weird. the Titans were done, right? But the Titans were done. Yep. So oftentimes and I experienced this in Washington too. You know, when you when you share when you share a market with a football team, oftentimes people, you know, football dominates. Football dominates until it's yeah. over. Yep. Same with, and like, especially around here, not just the Titans, but college, college. football. Yeah. Like, people who have a casual interest in the Predators, they'll pay attention leading the week leading into opening night. People will watch the first game, and then they'll probably college basketball is the same way. Yeah, I know you love college basketball, but college basketball is no different. Like, people will watch the first couple of nights of games, these tip-off classics, and then they'll nobody, watch nobody cares until conference January. tournament. Nobody cares. Yeah. yeah, nobody cares until mid-February. Right it, it's, until conference tournament season. Yeah, like it's it's it's. Football just controls everything and dominates everything. It will be interesting just now that we're talking about this. It will be interesting to see Nashville SC finishing their season. 
When does their a, season end? They've got like six or seven more matches. How and long is the MLS season? It seems very long. It, it's it's a it's a chunk of time. It's yeah. it's about baseball season. When did it start? It's about baseball season. It's so, about the same. So, so March March to November, March to October. October. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but again, that one's wrapping up. So right. it, that one will sort of leave the. That one leaves, and then the you can NHL le- comes you can, in. You can learn everything you need to about Nashville SC on the Club and Country podcast. There you have it. Look um, at you. Look at you. On 440 Sports an Hour. Keep going. But Don't so, stop. So back to what we were actually talking about. Yeah, we've got you know, to talk about hockey at some yes, point. right. But to me, like this is this, like four, three, four, five years ago, you had a hotshot prospect. You you know, you didn't need him necessarily. Like the team had a lot of veterans. They were, you know... The, their their top players were in the, their primes, you know they were. I mean, had, let's talk about Tolvanen coming up three years ago, right, or four years ago, right. A lot of hype, right. Huge KHL statistics, right. He comes over, he makes the team right at the end of a season, going into the postseason, plays, in, a, plays a game, gets into a game, but like they didn't, there, there's that that run was not dependent on him, right. And, and Even if they told us it he would play a big part in it. Sure, and <laughs> whatever. Like, that was a different... You gotta pump the kids' tires. As you... If I, I I recommend listening to Lamestream Sports last week. Not everything that Peter LaViolette told the public was always completely transparent. Yes. But we all, we all know that. Um, I, I, I'm with you on this. I, I just... I think they have a better chance to make the playoffs, and I'm not saying this because I truly believe that they're going to be great or be better or whatever. I just think the NHL is a crazy sport, and that unlike most sports, especially football, which is far more predictable, I think it is much harder to predict the NHL. Just look at the Florida Panthers last year when you and I sat here and didn't really give them any chance. And they were very good. And they were very, very good. So I'm not suggesting that the Preds are going to be very good. I'm just saying that I I think hockey is just far more difficult to project Three. off the top of your head and we'll do more prediction style podcasting right before the season starts but off the top of your head in the western conference which teams are clearly better than the nashville predators like you're not even like you're not even considering them in the well, same in the same conversation and so we talked about this on the pod last right. week with colorado colorado and, and colorado because what i when i noticed with the vegas stuff on colorado is is not that they're the, the pick to win the division or to win the cup or to have the 110 points in the division, according to Vegas. It's the gap between Colorado and everyone else in the Central. Right. Minnesota's projected at 97 points. Right. That's 13 points. Right. And Vegas is generally pretty good about this stuff. Like, Colorado's going to finish within a couple of points of 110. Right. So I think Colorado, other than that, in the, and this speaks to my point, other than that, in the Central, I don't know how good the division is. There are a lot of, like, in but the But Western... two through seven, two through seven is, I, I would not be surprised if anybody two through seven finished. Eight, eight being the Arizona eight, Coyotes. Eight being the Coyotes. Anywhere, anywhere in that two through seven, I would not be surprised if anybody finished anywhere, to be honest with when you. Because my, my point is that, you know, I agree, you know, Colorado... And Vegas are, are the are the class of the of the the conference. But then you look at both conferences. There are a, a lot. There are a lot of bubble teams. Right. You know we, you know we'll cons- You know I think Minnesota is probably above a bubble team. But like Chicago's probably a bubble team. Meaning I that, like I like Winnipeg and Dallas a little bit better. Meaning that they can go either way. Like St. They, Louis. Yeah. Well, Saint, how do we you know, know exactly what St. Louis is? Right. Like Los Angeles and. Um, Edmonton and you know which, if everything there's a lot of there's a lot of 
quite there are a lot of there are a couple of really good teams right, at the top. Right. There are a couple of really bad teams at the bottom. Like you can expect Arizona to be picking up the rear. I don't believe Nashville to be in one of those clear bottom categories. No, they're in the middle, but there are a lot but I think what I'm saying is just based on just based on what I've been reading about how each team is expected to perform this season, there are a lot of Yes. Bubble type teams and this in is the Western a, Conference. This is an eight minute conversation for us to get to play Philip Tomasino. Yes, that's the point. <laughs> that, that's the point. Is that like, this, this play predators... the young guy and see what you got? Yeah, out right. Of this him. Predators. Yeah. This Predator season is probably not going to be highly successful. Could they? I, I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs, but I could see it. I could see it a lot like. We I could see it a lot like last season. I mean, we know how roller coaster like last season was, but at the end of the day, they finished right where we expected them to. <laughs> right. And I could and and that's kind of how I feel about them right now. Yeah, I agree. Like I think you know they're probably a sixth, fifth or sixth place team. Right. If because yeah. if we're going back to normal playoff format, which is unfortunate because I liked how they did the receding last year, um, they're a wild card team. You know, I think I, yeah. I, th- I th- you know, they're going to battle for a wild card spot. Yeah, they're either yeah. the seventh or eighth best team. They could be the seventh or eighth best team in the Western Conference. I, to me, that's their ceiling. I, I agree with that, and that's if things break right. Which again brings us right back to w- the reason they played all the young kids last year was a out of necessity, right? But b we we needed to learn we needed to learn about these players and can they handle it? And so again, part of our conversation today and the rest of the show is just going to be what are the questions we have to to we want to see answered or would ask of John Hines if we had the opportunity where we knew we were going to get a really truthful answer. And to be honest, John Hines is actually fairly honest most of the time. Yes. Um, fairly open. But I, I think that's sort of, there's a lot of those types of questions I have to ask. And I think one of them is how do you know, what do you want to see? Again, let's pretend John Hines has some truth serum in him. And the first question is what do you need to see from Philip Tomasino that tells you, that this is the level he needs to be playing at to get better. Does that make sense? Right, because like it doesn't. Because yeah. I'm not suggesting he's gonna like. Okay, if he comes out and he's Sidney Crosby, then of course you play him, and he's the best. You know, he's if Dob, he's not it's, going it's to obvious. be Kirill Kaprizov from the Minnesota right, Wild, right? Last year. So if he's not that, which is very rare, and and it would be obvious, and it makes the decision easy, right? If he's not that. Then there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be an ebb and flow. There's going to be learning moments. There's going to be some difficult times, some adversity. The question I have for the coaching staff is how do you know that he's ready to handle that adversity on the NHL level versus a lower level? I think you have sense. to look at I think you have to look at Ellie Tolvanen last year. I think Tolvanen is a prime example of you know how a young player earns a coach's trust. You know, Tolvanen came in you know, he was playing in the top. He was playing a lot of top six minutes. Of course, he was on the power play. You know, there was a period of time. I can't remember exactly when. It, near the near the halfway point of the season where he was almost carrying the offense. Yeah, almost unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the high water mark is when he scored. Was it, the over, was it an overtime winner against Dallas? I think so. And the um, power play was like the best power play right, in the NHL he, you for know, about a he month. Was, yeah. He was, you know, scored more than half of his goals on the power play. But you were seeing him do other things. He wasn't just scoring. He was, he was playing, you know, respectable defensive hockey um, he was getting involved more physically. Like if you one back, of the more back checking, yeah. If you want to look at the one of the more amazing stats of last season, I know that hits are not a great stat, 
but I think he was third on the team in hits, or he was in the top three or top five in hits last year. Like, you look at Ellie Tolvanen, and you wouldn't think he would be a physical player, but he was very physical last year. And and you saw Which how, is him rounding out his game. Right, and you right. saw that as that was happening, he was getting more ice time. He was being placed in more high-pressure situations. Then he got hurt. Then he came back, was not the same player, yeah. and his ice time went down, and he wasn't playing in the playoffs. And it wasn't because John Hines was, you know, being you know being bad cop. He was trying. He was trying to demonstrate to Ellie Tolvanen that there's a certain level that you have to play at, and if right. if you if that's not happening, he has to go with someone who is. And I think it's the same thing with Philip Tomasino. You know, put him in a position to succeed. I mean, Philip Tomasino, like Ellie Tolvanen, is a top six player. You're not going to get a lot out of Philip Tomasino on the third line or playing mostly defensive minutes or starting most of his shifts in the defensive right, zone. Right. You know, put him on a top six line. Put him with, um, you know, put him with players who can create. Like one, you know, I, you know, John Hines sort of alluded to this yesterday. You know, I wonder if you might see Philip Tomasino on a line in some form or fashion with Mikhail Granlund and Cody Glass. And, you know... Interesting. And, I had not thought about that. And, you know, it could be Granlund on the left, Glass in the middle... Thomasino that on puts, the right. That puts Duchesne on the third line, then probably. Or Duchesne because be... you're not going to put Elliot Tolvin in on the third line. You might. I mean, it, but, it... but but how about this for a third line? Duchesne with Tolvin in and, and Thomasino. Right. Uh, talk about some but talent. like you know, I think you have you know, it's the same thing with Tolvin in. I think if you just look at how Ellie Tolvin's season went last year, I think that tells you what you need to know about how this coaching staff would handle Philip Thomasino. They'll put him in a position to succeed. If he if he responds, they'll they'll increase his responsibility. If he falters, they will dial it back. And so, I think that's I think that's that would be my answer. And my answer would be, how do you handle the adversity, the, those moments? Because what happens when you first come up as a player? For those that are not, you know, Yarmir Yager or whatever, you're, it's like a sound wave, right? You're, you're it's this roller coaster of good shifts, good games, good stretches, bad shifts, bad games, bad stretches. And it's just going to be an ebb and flow. You're going to go up and down. You're going to go up and down. The idea for me, if I'm a coach, is getting those those big swales down to a little tiny flat line, right? You, you want it to be consistent and you want it to be, how does he bounce back from a bad shift, a bad period, a bad game? What does he show us in, in the face of adversity? Is he able to shake it off and come back and learn from those mistakes? And that is what I think you, you know, it's funny you talk about NFL camp. One of the things you learn the, the, the quickest at NFL camp is a player who does a drill incorrectly. You learn right there in front of everybody whether or not he figured it out or not. Like Des Fitzpatrick. Des, like, Des Fitzpatrick did not run drills well. And then the coach would say, Des, you got to do it this way. And then he would come back and he still wouldn't correct it. Right. And you knew right away that's, that's, that's not how a professional athlete, you have to fix those things that you're seeing. So that, that, you know, if I'm, if I'm the coaching staff, it's all right. We're going to put him in these tough situations. We know he's going to have some bad moments. How does he respond to those bad moments? And Tolvanen, I, I think, showed us that sort of whole, more holistic game at the start of the season or in the middle of the season last year. And then the injury changed, you know, you know who he was. So we've got a bunch of other questions, uh, lots of lots of camp questions for you guys. We would be asking these these folks, and we'll be trying to ask these folks. But we'll try to role play here as as the coaching staff and maybe try to answer some of these things uh, for you guys when we come back right here on the Gold Standard. Gold Standard, Adam Vingan, 
of The Athletic, mm. Pay for Good Journalism, yes. is brought to you by... Brought to you by? Brought to you by, yeah. Am I supposed to do with a southern accent? Now? No, I just that's just my... Jaspers! My... <laughs> it's pretty funny. No, now you have to do the whole thing. Do the whole ad in that voice, Adam. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> I feel like I'm... Come on I, down to our free parking lot. I feel... I feel like um, SpongeBob and Patrick making fun of Sandy from being from Texas. Oh, I love Sandy. Yeah, Howdy, y'all. <laughs> Don't mess with Texas now. No, that. she does not in, like that. In that show. Um, free parking. Uh, of course, the menu is spectacular. There is a cocktail named after this podcast. I don't know what else you need to know about Jasper's and or this show. Uh, that, that there is a cocktail named after us at, at, at this restaurant. And when you go, you don't pay for parking. You can sit down at the bar. Jen with two ends will come over and say, what do you want to drink? And you say, I would like a gold standard, please. And she'll deliver it, and it'll be delicious, and you'll have a wonderful time. I'm not sure what else I'm supposed to tell you. No, I think over the past year or so, we've done a pretty good job of, of selling Jasper's. And, you know, it's great to see so many of our listeners messaging us on on social media and saying, hey, I stopped by Jasper's on your recommendation. It was great. I have not heard a single person say, hey, I went to Jasper's. Wasn't good. No. I'm not even kidding about this. I'm not doing saying this because they pay us to. (laughs) Right. But I have not seen a single person. I've not heard a single. There's a lot of media people that go in this town to go check out Jasper's because of the, the 440 pods. And I don't think... I'm not sure a single person has said, man, that wasn't pretty damn good. Huh. You know, going back like to Jasper's. The, the day after my son was born uh, at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, uh. my my wife was craving a burger. Uh. So I drove over to Jasper's, got Look a couple of Jasper's burgers. Look at you. And with a baby in her arm, she pounded that burger. It was delicious. <laughs> we both needed it. Um it's, are you going to get in trouble for that telling that story? No. Okay. No. There, mm-hmm. are, there are, I'm sure, worse stories I could tell about my first month of parenthood. No, no. I'm just talking um, about the, the, the your wife's diet. That's all. No. That's okay. fine. Okay. I mean, look, when she she doesn't like to eat meat, but when you're giving birth and you're and you just push the kid out of you, anything goes. Gross. Anything goes. <laughs> I will say this: everything in life in moderation. I don't believe in people that cut every something out of their life altogether. Whatever it is, well, I, don't, you said, I don't believe you know in how it. You everything s- in moderation. You know how you said you know you ha- we haven't heard a, a bad word about Jasper's. You know one thing is, and I'm sure you know you've been in this town a lot longer than I have. One thing that you always have to keep in mind when you're a quote unquote local, whether you know you lived here your whole life or you've lived in a place for a long period of time. Okay, that's the question. When do you become a local? Like, if you move here, like, how long does it take for you to become a local? That's a great question. Um, Two years, a year. So, is that a different term than native? Yes. Okay. So, here's my question. I think. I think. I don't know. How long do you have to five, live? Five eight years. You're a local. Okay. So I, I don't know. That, that's. I think native is the quite more because I. I personally. So my wife was born here. She's a. Ten, she's, she's a, a national native. native. She's a unicorn. I. I. I moved here when I was thirteen. So, I've been here 26 years. I have never lived outside of the state of Tennessee as an adult. I've never paid taxes <laughs> anywhere to any other state other than the state of Tennessee. I have. I went to high school here in Nashville. You went to what, college. I went to college in two different colleges in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> yes. Do I count as a native? Yeah, I think I think perhaps after like a couple decades, you might graduate to native status. Also, but, I also I was a teenager right. and a high schooler here, the, the, so the, I, the, I feel like I kind of count, but I'm definitely was not born here. So. The point I'm making is that when you're a local and someone who's either new to the city or visiting says, "Hey, 
where should I go for dinner or where should I go for drinks or where should I go for whatever? And you make that you make a recommendation. Oh, you should go to Jasper's. Like if you make a recommendation and the person that you're recommending it to doesn't like your recommendation, that's it. Like there's there's there like that, like you've lost all respect. Right. Like the next time that person makes a recommendation, are you gonna be a little skeptical? It's like, well, they recommended this restaurant or this bar, and I didn't really like it that well, much. Well, how many so. people are recommending bad things to go do? I know, but everybody's tastes are different. I no, that's true. The point is, that's why rec- everyone loves Jasper's. Right. Though, if you recommend they got Jasper's, for you won't have that problem because the person will say, "Well, that was really <laughs> great. I trust everything that they tell me." Also, a variety of palettes will find Jasper's. To be delicious. Oh, I'm sure in some time, at you know? some point in your life, someone said, hey, you should really check out this place. It's good. And you went, you're like, meh. I find that issue with music. That's like someone that, recommending you yeah, listen because, to a musician? Yeah, because music taste is so individual. It is so individual. Like, I think music is, a t- is the toughest one. Food is pretty unique because people have very different diets and very different palates as well. Right. That's what makes Jasper so yes, incredible is that they've got something yes, for everybody. It serves many different people. Yeah. Whether you want a burger whether you're looking for something a little bit more "quote unquote" upscale, yeah, you know, if or if you want like sweet potato fries covered in barbecue, right? Like you, you can't go you wrong. Go. But I'm saying is like whether or not you believe it. If I said to you, Brayden, you should go to this place. It was really good, and you go and you're like, it was okay. Like, like whether or not you, you've you've lost your credibility as a local, is what you're saying. Well, that's and that's all you have as a local is your credibility when it comes to <laughs> recommending it. things. It's like no, it's true. So anyway, it's but, why it's why I put four top hospitality so if, in every recommendation. So if I give you're to a people. local, if you're a local or a native, and you're listening to this, and someone comes to visit and says, "Hey, I'd rather not go downtown where women are sticking their bare butt cheeks out of transportation vehicles for random dudes to slap," I'd like to I'd like to go have a nice meal. And you say, "Jasper's," you will not only maintain mm. your credibility, you will strengthen your credibility. It's about twenty percent of our audience that immediately now wants to go downtown. <laughs> Don't slap strange butt cheeks. I, go to Jasper's. All right, let's get to some more of these questions we've got for the Predators roster, camp, all these things. And again, I, I'm just sort of loosely framing this so that we can have, have a little fun with it about, you know, look, we're giving John Hyde some truth serum. He's going to give us actual answers to some of these questions. These are the things that we most want to know about this Nashville Predators team as we head into the regular season that gets started here in a couple of weeks. So here's the first one I would would ask him, and he might answer this one. I, I want to know what is the plan to replace the leadership that you lost through Ryan Ellis, Victor Arvidsson, and Pekka Rene, especially Ellis and Rene as like these larger-than-life stoic you know, captains and without the actual C. You, you know what I mean. What is the plan? to replace those guys. I, I know Roman Yossi is a, is a leader. It, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say scared. I'm concerned that you're asking Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, and Philip Forsberg to take on some of that. I think Matthias Ekholm would be my first answer, is that he needs to step into a much larger role in terms of leadership, but I think he's kind of already been like that. So what, it, what, what do you think the coaching staff is talking about behind closed doors in their little meeting room when they say, man... What are we going to do about culture and leadership behind now that we've lost Ellis, Rene, and Arvidsson? Well, one thing I think you need to keep in mind, and this actually just popped into my head, is remember, the day that Roman Yossi was named captain of the Nashville Predators, Ryan Ellis was named, quote-unquote, associate captain. Basically, what that meant was he always wore an A on his sweater. The other ones rotated. Now Ryan is gone. 
So I don't know if the coaching staff intends to maintain the associate captain role. If they do, Matias Ekholm should absolutely yeah, become yes. the associate captain. Uh, you know, if, in terms of players that made great strides in leadership last year, I think Matias was on top of the coaching staff's list. Um, you know, especially when they were dealing with all of those injuries. Um, you know, Roman was out of the lineup for a little bit of time. Brian was out and facing trade rumors and facing trade rumors. No, he, he, you know, yeah. he took, you know, he's always been a leader, but I think he took that next step. So okay. if they, if they were to maintain the associate captain role, it should absolutely go to Matias. Okay. Um, the other letter should go to be Kyle Granlund. That's, that's um, what I was going to bring up the, too. You know, because he, you know, he, it's funny, you know, I was when when I stopped by practice yesterday. I asked John Hines a question about you know positioning Mikhail Granlund, whether he wants to keep him at center, which he did for most of last season, or return him to the wing. I was like, "Do you have a preference?" He's like, "Well, I like him everywhere." Like you know, John Hines loves Mikhail <laughs> Granlund. So like to me, I would I would find someone that loves you as much as John, John Hines, Hines loves, loves Mikhail, Mikhail Granlund. Granlund yeah. I would give the other letter okay to Mikhail Granlund. Do you think that those that those guys are capable of doing what Rene and Ellis did from that standpoint. Cause I, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to replicate. Pecorino. Right. I mean, Mati- Matias, absolutely. I mean, Mikhail, okay. Mikhail is more of the lead by example, quiet leader type comes from like the Shea Weber, Mike Fisher school where R- I don't, yeah, I don't expect Mikhail Granlin to be giving any fiery speeches or anything yeah. like that. Um, not that you know Pecorino and Ryan Ellis were. You know who could do who could step into a bigger role with this? Hmm. Colton Sissons. Absolutely. I mean, Colton Sissons for sure would be another guy that I you know another guy would put. If you're going to have one, who's the guy you need someone to say something to somebody in the locker room? Right. I think Colton, Colton Sissons could yeah, do that. I mean, Colton has experience in the leadership role. He was the captain of the Milwaukee Admirals at one yep. point in his career. Um, he just plays kind of a captain style of game. Right. I mean, I like I'm looking up and down the roster and, you know, Philip Forsberg is another one. I mean, the thing is, you know, you might say, well, what about this contract situation? Well, Matias Ekholm also is in the same situation. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't hold that against Philip in terms of being a leader. And, this will and lead- he's been an he's been an alternate captain already. This will lead into our, our sort of our next conversation um, or my next question. But. It's hard to have taking Yossi's contract out of the off the table. It's hard to have the three highest paid players on the team not be a part of this conversation. That that's a tricky thing to to have on your roster. It just right. is. No, I I know. It just is. I know. Um, and and Ryan Johansson has worn a letter for the Predators. Um, and you know, I I think to me. I think to me, if you're trying to reshape the leadership group in terms of those who are wearing letters, to me, the top two candidates are Matthias Eckholm yep. and Mikhail Granlund. And I think Colton Sissons is not, you know what? That's, a, I think, a savvy choice on your part. Uh, you know, it's not someone who popped into my head immediately, but he's absolutely been, earned it. And he's been around a long time. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely a, earned it. He's played a lot of roles, and he's yes. had some big moments and all this other stuff. Um, my question, honestly, I would love to know what the coaches say to each other when watching film of Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, and to a lesser extent, Philip Forsberg. Mostly just J- J- Johansson and Duchesne. I, I want to know what they say to each other when they're watching film and they see w- one shift from Ryan Johansson that is just utter physical dominance. And then you watch a whole other game the next week and you just go, where did he go? I, and I don't. I, I want to know what they say. Like, 
what is the strategy to fix that? <laughs> That's what I want to hear from the coaching staff. That is something they will never talk about. No, and look, I think when you talk about those three players in particular, you know, of course the one that pops out is Matt Duchesne because, you know, if we're if we're doing the truth serum conversation here, I think John Hines would say that he has seen more elements of what he's looking for from Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg than he has from Matt Duchesne. Interesting. Because I think Duchesne's effort is more consistent, I guess. But we don't like to question effort here on the right. show. I, I think, you know, to me, I think of the, the top players on the team or the highest paid players on the team, you know, we talked about this at the end of the season. You know, I think Matt Duchesne has been the slowest to come around to John Hines's preferred vision of the team okay and i think you know i think the problem if, if you can call it a problem i think where the see i i, I i've used the term disconnect i'm not sure it's as i like when i when i think disconnect i think kyle turris and peter laviolette <laughs> i don't think it's that no i don't think it's no. that bad but i think John would tell you if he if if he was being entirely truthful that he is that he, at the end of last season he was frustrated with the strides that Matt Duchesne had or hadn't made. Is that a buy-in thing? I'm not sure. I mean, from from the players' part, I don't think it's Cause it, like because the metrics indicated yes. that Duchesne was better than his numbers right. and all that stuff. But I so. think what you're seeing from I think what John wants to see from Duchesne that he that he hasn't seen from Duchesne enough versus the other players that we're talking about are the things well, let's go back to what we were talking about with Ellie Tolvanen. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. And there, and this is the example that John Hines has used in the past. There was a game. I think it was the first, it might, it was, it was a game in early March. It may have been in mid March. The predators are in Tampa. They're playing the lightning and they're protecting a one goal lead. And there's less than five minutes left. And Ellie Tolvanen is at the top of the, at the top of the zone, laying out and blocking a shot from I think it was Ryan McDonough. And I remember John saying that Ellie Tolvanen scored a wicked goal at the beginning of that game, like an on-the-rush, sharp-angle shot that only someone like Ellie Tolvanen and a few other people can do. And I remember John saying something to the effect of, look, his teammates knew he could score that goal, but they were more excited from that shot block than they were that goal because... It's like a wide receiver blocking. Right. I think there is less... There is less of that from Matt Duchesne than John Hines would like. And I think okay. I think that is what he would tell you. It's that okay. he believes in Matt Duchesne, but I think of the players that he's like, look, like I remember I wrote I wrote last season before the playoffs started about that two week road trip that they went on. Um where we thought the season was going to go in the crapper and they <laughs> it's ended actually up, when they saved it. They when they saved yeah. it. At the beginning of that trip, John Hines had a meeting with the forwards. And he showed them clips of Steven Stamkos, and he showed them clips of Braden Point, and he showed them clips of Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Uberdo, these you know high-paid, skilled players who have an impact on both ends of the ice. And then he juxtaposed clips of those players with the Predators forwards in the same situations and said, why can't you do that? Like, there's nothing, there's, there's no reason That's that you direct. can't play <laughs> like those guys. And if you don't play like those guys, we're not we're not going anywhere. And I think Matt Duchesne has been the slowest gotcha. to do that. Okay. And I think that's what John would tell you is that he's gonna put Matt, he's gonna he's he's not 
he's not that doesn't have it out for Matt Duchesne. But Matt Duchesne has to prove that he's willing to do things other than attempt to score yeah. and make nice passes in order to be successful. You've got a question about Philip Forsberg. Well, let's go. We'll come back to that one. Okay. My, my my main question, my my question, one of my questions would be because a lot of our questions are similar. One of my que- one of my questions was, who is the X factor in the who is the X factor on this team in terms of formulating the lineup? Like, who's the guy that you need to figure out? He's going to go here before everybody else can be built around him. The answer to every question is Matt Duchesne. <laughs> you know, actually, I have a different answer. Okay. It's Cody Glass. Like, that that's my answer. I mean, I think because Cody Glass... If, is, if he can play second-line center, yes, it changes yes. the line. Cody Glass right. is going to be a center. John Hines said that yesterday. Right. He's going to play center. Um, so... So third or second is yeah. So totally like, shifts the totally so, shifts the. the so if, if he can if he can hang at, at second line center, maybe you shift Mikhail Granlund back to wing and play him with Cody Glass. If he can't, maybe you play him on the third line and Mikhail Granlund stays at the second as the second line center. I, I think that you know Cody Glass, you know he was a top five pick in the NHL draft four years four or five years ago. Had a rough go of it in Vegas. Had multiple serious knee injuries. He's still in his early twenties. He hasn't lots reached, of potential, right? He hasn't reached his potential. He's not a bust at, by any means. And what is John Hines good at? He's good at developing young players. There you go. So I think if if Cody Glass can hold down that second line center job, the the lineup around that is going to shift dramatically. Whether You're starting he, to get me excited now. I, I know, I but like, like if you if he if he <laughs> like, and this is something we can talk about more in depth at another time. But I think ultimately where the coaching staff feels about Cody is going to have a big impact on how the rest of the lineup shakes out lines two through four. I agree. So although I think four is no, it's going to be, he's going to be on two or he's going to be on the second and third line. I think four is pretty set. Right. Two of the top three are pretty set. Right. Um, I I agree with you though. Cause if you have, if you've got Tomasino playing in a top six role, Tolvan in and glass, right. That's a unbelievably good problem I mean, for this remember, team to have. That's the best a, case scenario, right? I did a I did a story, you know, earlier this summer about what I think their lineup, opening night lineup, w- could look like versus what it should look like. Yeah. And I had Glass, Tomasino, and Tolvanen in my top six. So. And you had Duchesne in the third I, the line third center. Line. I had him third line center with Cunnan and, and probably yeah and Pitlick. Oh, Pitlick, that's right. So even Pitlick is another right, one. exactly. But I think Cody Glass is sort of like that, like hinge player. Okay, like where he goes is going to dictate a lot of where a lot of other guys go. Because if he's third line center, then you've got a decision to make with Grandland. Do you right. pl- do you play him at center? Do you on play the him on the wing. On, on the center? wing. Do you put Duchesne at second line center? I, and this is this is what you can talk yourself into if you're a Preds fan and you want to be the optimist, which is. Luke Cunning, top first-round pick, lots of talent. Saw flashes of it last year. Cody Glass, top first-round pick, lots of potential. John Hines good at developing. Ellie Tolvanen and Philip Tomasino, elite-level skill that this roster and this team generally doesn't have coming right. through the farm system. And then also, Arvid, Arvidsson, listen to me, uh, Duchesne, Johansson, and Forsberg. You, you're running out of spots in the top six when you have nine guys right. that, could, that could play up there. That That is the best-case scenario. That That is the thing that Preds fans are hoping that can happen, that John develops these young guys, and they all are worthy of playing in the top six. That's a good problem to have when Luke Cunning can't break into the top six. Right, and I think Cody Glass is that type of player where 
he maybe he's not on the first power play unit to start. But if someone struggles on that first power play unit, Cody Glass is going to be like first man up to replace him. Like I, I'm really interested in seeing how he how he performs. Um, because one thing about this quote unquote competitive rebuild is that you know oftentimes when you see a total teardown, you get a lot of dra- You know, you, you you turn in you you get a lot of you know you don't get a lot of you don't get bodies back. You get a lot of draft picks. So you know, but they got you know. Uh, you know, Philippe Myers, who's a, you know, a young player too on the defensive end. He's in his mid twenties, been in the league for a couple of years. You know, it's not like they, you know, you look at what could Ari- be a top four defense, right. but you look at like what Arizona did. Now they're on the opposite end of the spectrum, but like they took all these bad contracts, but they took all these older guys like Andrew Ladd and Jay right. Beagle and Antoine Roussel. But like they took on all of these older bad contracts for first round draft picks. So, but like, that's not what the Predators did. Like they were getting younger players who they think can supplement their core moving forward. They got a first, they got a lot of first round draft picks from four years ago. Right. (laughs) So like, which again could be a, listen, best case scenario. If you're trying to talk yourself into how good this team could be, that, that, that is the competitive rebuild soft reset that we're talking about. Now the players don't view it that way. No, what's interesting is I, I, I asked, you know, Roman Yossi spoke yesterday, Philip Forsberg, UC Saros, and John Hines. And, you know, Philip Forsberg, you know, Philip Forsberg and John Hines both disagreed with the idea that this is a rebuild. And it's funny because I think Which John— Which, of course, they will. I know. But John, I think David Poyle is—I think he immediately regretted calling it a competitive rebuild. Yeah. And I think he's going to continue to regret using the term rebuild, even if he put the qualifier Oh, it's one of those things of that it. ends up on, like, Reddit threads every single game they lose. Right. Um, so, so. You know, like, John, like John Hines used, you know— what he experienced in New Jersey as a rebuild. Like when he got there, it was a total teardown. And they and they picked up, you know, a lot of high draft picks out of that, like Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Yeah. And but that was that was the the point of the Devils at the time was we are starting over. You know, they didn't have the caliber of veterans that the Predators do, like Ekholm and Yossi and Forsberg and Duchesne and Johansson and Gramlin. So, you know, he Thumbs called, down. Yes, thumbs down, <laughs> Philip Forsberg. Um, so let's make that a T-shirt. Can yes. we make thumbs down a T-shirt? Well, every time they lose, it's going to be like, "Well, Philip was mad that they traded Arvidsson, and now he's not going to want to sign here because the team sucks." Which is, you know, he's yeah, not hiding. Yeah, he's not hiding it. You know, Philip. Philip is in. You know, I which, don't give an F mode at this point. So does that lead us to our, our your next question? Here? I, like to me, it, this is less of a question than it is a statement. Um. I know that Philip Forsberg hasn't signed yet. Neither has Matias Ekholm. And there hasn't been a lot of conversation about that, even though I think it's because more people are confident in Ekholm re-signing than yeah. Forsberg. You, know, you want to talk about rebuilds, retools, teardowns, whatever. The Predators' future hinges on Philip Forsberg. Like, that's not a question. That's a statement. Like, I think it... Like, what what he do, what he decides to do and what the how the, the Predators decide to approach it is going to have a significant impact on the on the near future of this organization. Uh, 100%. Yes. It does not necessarily, either decision, either way, does not necessarily guarantee you success or failure either direction. You could re-sign him for a huge contract and find great success. You could sign him to a huge contract and fail. Right. You could trade him and find great success with those pieces that you get in return huge bounty or you could trade him and find failure so like it's not i agree with you that it that the it is dictated entirely by philip forsberg i just don't know what the outcomes are either way imagine imagine what happens 
let's let's say this season plays out like last season did, where the predator. Where, so Philip Forsberg is unsigned at the trade deadline, which and, is in mid March, and he has thirty eight points. And he has, you know, he's the second leading. Let's say he's the second leading scorer on the team, and the Predators are still in the playoff race. They're they're eight. They're the, uh. they're they're in the, they're in ninth place. In the Western Conference, oh, I hate you two, so much. Two points back of the second wild card spot. Let's right. let's just set it up like that. You can't trade him, but at that point, guess what happened? So, but here's the problem. Uh. So let's just say it plays out like it did last year. They they make the playoffs. They play Colorado in the first round, get their asses kicked, and then Philip bails. I, I to your point. To me, that is a fireable offense. To, to your for not trading him, you mean? Yes. To your point. Of the statement you made, which is not a question. Yes. At that moment, you're two and a half, you're three points back of the playoffs, and Phillips playing well, and you're about to reach the trade deadline. But you're not, in, you're on the bubble, right? You're a bubble team, give or take a couple of points, in the plus or in, in the negative for the playoff spot. It's almost entirely dictated on what Philip Forsberg wants to do at that point. And if you are David Poyle and you know or have a good feeling that Philip Forsberg is not going to be able, you're not going to be able to resign him then you absolutely have to trade him. If, if you have a pretty good feeling that you think you can work it out with him, then you probably have to try to work it out, right? If there is any, if there is any question, even the slightest, that if Philip Forsberg is unsigned by March, and there's even the slightest question that he is going to... So like 5%. You you gotta trade him. Okay, like they're okay. like the only way right. you don't is if you have like a ninety seven percent certain percent you're you're ninety seven percent sure that he's gonna resign. So the entire future of the organization hinges on Philip Forsberg's well, desire to resign. Well, not the entire future of the organization, but like <laughs> trading Philip Forsberg turns this into a tear down, as as to use John's term. Hmm. Fascinating. See that so so right before I went on leave, I did a mailbag, and somebody asked me what they should do with Philip and and, and Matias, and you know I you know I talked about how I felt like you know signing Matias, you know shouldn't be I, I don't think it should be diff, that difficult. The thing about Forsberg is that there is no obvious comparable contract that's out there that's been signed in the last couple of years that to me makes sense. For Ekholm, there are two. There's Jake Muzzin and Jeff Petrie. Yeah, and you're both, and you're big on the, the the comps around the league, right? That's that's uh, like your thing. Both, well, I think a lot of people yeah. are both both of whom Petrie and Muzzin are signed for four years. I think Muzzin's like five point seven five thereabouts, and Petrie's like six point two five. So if you got Ekholm for four years and twenty four million right. total, right? That makes sense to yeah. me. There is no obvious comparable for Philip Forsberg. Is that because Philip Forsberg has not reached his potential? I well. Maybe he, he wants to get paid like a hundred point forty goal scorer, and yeah. he's never done that. And he's, not, and he's not going to. I'm sorry. Like at this point, and this like the thing, Philip Forsberg. What does he think is going to happen on the open market? Then I mean, someone's going to overpay for him on the open. There market. you go. But like that's but like that's all that matters to his bank account. How like <laughs> what is the most money that you are willing to pay Philip Forsberg per season, based on what you've seen from him? This is this is the this is the the hard part because in my head I know he's got forty goal like eighty five does he? ninety point potential does he um, he's only, he's in his late twenties or nearing his late kind of is what he is at this point he's a he's a thirty point sixty he's a thirty point yeah. he's excuse me he's a thirty goal sixty to seventy point guy at best I think but he's got the talent yeah but he, which he, is which tantalizes you right but at this mind. point but like at um, this like here's a good question I, I think I think seven and a half or eight is about right yes, but someone's but going not, to pay him more than that yes like so. to me 
this is like this is might require some research but like so this is gonna so when was philip's first full season was it the 14 15 season if you talk i will have the answer for you in i believe his seconds i believe his first full season was the 14 15 season it may have been the 13 14 season vamp vamp give me like five more seconds here he's 27 years old yes he just turned 27 like last yeah so he's not i mean that's still pretty yeah that's still mid-20s there so what was his first full nhl season he played 13 games in 14 82 games in 14 so this is his seventh nhl season like seventh full nhl this will be his eighth season Overall, overall, but only like played his, thir- only played thirty nine yeah. games last year, and well, yeah, because it was a shortened season, and then sixty three the year before that because of the shortened, but then also sixty four and sixty seven before that. So but he's like, not so played eighty two since. But in terms of being a full time NHL player, this is his seventh season in the NHL. Yeah, how many players who have played six full seasons in the NHL and have and have the records that Philip does the thirty goal sixty point potential? How many guys in their seventh seasons? explode and become 40 80 guys or 45 90 guys well i don't think it's see that's the difference i don't think it's an explosion that that you need from philip forsberg for him to reach his potential on a new contract i think it is a i think it's that last 10 percent. i think he just needs to give he he needs to find that last 10 percent, which can take you from 32 goals to 39 goals it can take you from 70 points to 82 points and it can make you worth the contract, especially as we've seen from him in the past in big games, in the playoffs in particular, where he delivers, where he physically can take over. So, do I expect him to be Nikita Kucherov? No, I don't. I think 100, you know, Patrick Kane? No, I don't think that explosion you can expect. Could there be an uptick, that 5%, 10% uptick, where he finds that next gear at 27 years old because he knows that he's got it? And I, I think that's possible. Is that possible here? Is that possible with John Hines? Is that possible with the rest of this, the the team that he's got around him at at a you know at, a, at whatever number he's going to command? You could easily say thumbs down. Well, <laughs> to, like to that, like when I look equation. at contracts that I would give Philip Forsberg, you know, Max Pacioretty is plays on a four year twenty eight million dollar contract with Vegas and James Van Reem James Van Reems blah James Van Reemsdyke plays on a five year thirty five million dollar contract. So just an extra year, an extra seven million. To me, that's the kind of contract I'm giving Philip Forsberg. Yeah, Philip Forsberg not is that. not going to take that. He's not taking that. So it's cause like to me Philip Forsberg So he's a point here's for his career. Yeah. For his career, five hundred games. Yes. Nine years in the NHL. Yeah. Not three of them not yeah, full right. seasons. 0.77 points per game. The question is, can he actually he had 0.82 last year, and 0.96 in 18 when he was hurt and only played 67 games. But his best season was 0.96. Can he get back to 0.96? That's what I'm asking. It's a. I mean, it's harder as you he's get shown, older. He's played a season at 0.96. Yes, he has. But it's harder as you get older. And the thing about Philip Forsberg at the beginning of his career, he played like every game. He never got hurt. And he's missing yeah. he's missing ten to fifteen games a year now. Like yeah. and to me, you know, I'm I'm incredibly hesitant to give Philip Forsberg a lot of money. I, I just you know, like the, like I remember I wrote about this last year. So, there, so the question here is what does Philip Forsberg want to do with his future? Right. And if if he so. if he looks at this roster and says, "Man, I'm going to be 28 before the start of next season. I've got 
you know, seven, eight good years left in me. This team is going to be, this team is not ready to compete right now. I can go to the open market. Someone's surely going to overpay for me. You know, I know he likes it here. You know, he met his fiance here. He's got a nice, he's got a nice condo downtown. You know, he's got a nice mustache. You know, all those things, <laughs> all of those things that happen in Nashville. He does, he does, uh, he he does rock the mustache better than the rest of the guys. He he does look like you see you see. I'm not sure you see needs the mustache. No, he doesn't. I'll give a you know he looks like kind of he looks like Super Mario. But now. you got to do the smile. To, he does. He, he does look like one of the characters. If you do the smile and own the mustache, right. that's when Forsberg. Well, Forsberg has the, the 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 like the little tips at the ass, yeah, the, like the little I don't yeah, know what you call it, the swag, the, yeah, mustache swag, yeah. Uh, to me, and then we can table this for for another you know table this for another conversation. It's just. You know, I like if I, I wrote. So I was saying before, is I wrote a mailbag um, before I went on leave, and someone asked me about Philip and Matias, and this is what I said about Philip. If I were David Poyle, I would try to get him signed by the start of the regular season. If he does, if they can't come to terms, I'm tabling conversations. Okay, and because I want, I you know, I want the ability to trade him in season if I have to. I think that is a good place to end this conversation. Okay, and to wrap up. The first pod back with Adam. You you've had a lot of things pent up over there. All right, hold on. Before I go, I got to do the voice. I got to find. You've done the voice com- twice already. I know, but way. I got to find that comment from that guy on my on Dom's story. I mean, there's still a lot of questions that are that we have left to ask about this uh, this team in camp, but we still got a couple more pods before we actually have to start talking about games. All right, so. let me find this comment. Rate, review, subscribe. Go to uh, Jasper's free parking. Find so you find this thing, and this, I'm going to tell everybody why they should go to Jasper's. This is John. This is from John S. John, go to Jasper's. John, go to Jasper's. You jerk. Wish we had a beat writer who could deliver quality content like this. Ours seems to be absent most of the time, with very little little actionable analysis. I, I'm willing to give John here. That, I'm not. That if he, hang on, hang on. He's a jerk. Hey, Adam, if John knew you were on paternity leave, do you think he would have said those things to you? Maybe. Might be a jerk. I don't think he Land, would have. I want to give credit to Clearly, Land. Clearly, he does not know why you were, quote, absent. I want to give Landon B and Andrew R props for coming, leaping to my defense. <laughs> Landon B saying that I was out on paternity leave. And I commented, and I said, "Hi, John. I have been on parental leave since August 26th. I returned Friday, and I almost had to like delete the comment, and say, you piece of crap.' Listen, if you know someone is on paternity leave, and you complain about them being absent, you are in fact a piece of crap. I am willing to give John the benefit of the doubt here, and think that he probably didn't know. Mm. In your heart, is that what you want to do, though? Isn't that what, isn't that what you want to do in your heart, Adam? What? Give him the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, and just say, hey, I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably didn't know that I was out for five weeks. How dare I have he a new not baby. know the daily goings-on of my life? <laughs> just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I do find it. I do think it's wonderful that while your wife was in, in the hospital, that after giving birth to your first child, that you went and got some food from Jasper's to bring back to her. Because we've all done that. I had to do it, too. With both my kids, so it's, it was it's wonderful. It was, Good job. It was Go to delicious. It was juicy. Way better than that stupid hospital food. I got very well acquainted with the Vanderbilt University Medical Center cafeteria. Woof. You know. Go to Jasper's. Go to Jasper's, <laughs> which is not the Vanderbilt Medical Center cafeteria. Absolutely. Uh, Adam, where can people find you, and what should they do? They can find me on theathletic.com. At Adam Vingan on Twitter. Adam Vingan on Twitter. They know that already. Okay. Um... 
We're still running 50% off sales, and I know that I haven't written anything in five weeks, but I'll be back. Wish we had a beat writer that was around. Yeah. John (laughs) S. The S stands for stupid. Oh, God. You know, the... um, we're running 50% off sales, I think, for the next couple of weeks. We've been doing it now for, you know, basically the entire time we've been out. So I haven't been able to take advantage of it. But, you know, keep that. Keep an eye on some stories coming up in the next couple of days now that I'm back in the proverbial saddle. Some, some Forsberg stuff? Perhaps. Okay. Some 50%, 50% off. Take advantage of it before the season starts. All right. All right. Good to have you, man. Good to have you back. Great to hear about the family being healthy and happy and the voices in midseason form already. I love it. Uh, everybody rate, review, and subscribe. Go to Jasper's. Special thanks to the Four Top Hospitality for being our primary and title sponsor here on the program. For Adam Vingan, my name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook as well. Again, thank you all for listening. Please share the show. This has been the gold standard on the 440 Sports Network.